Franwise presents What's Your Effing Business, a podcast about franchising. Here's your host, Marianne O'Connor. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of What's Your Effing Business, a podcast about franchising. On our podcast, we like to talk to a variety of franchise leaders who each one approaches franchising individually with different goals and different tools to reach those goals. So today we have a really interesting one, especially for some of you who might be newer to franchising because they use a concept that helped build franchising and a lot of people aren't using these days. So today we're going to be speaking with Adam Pavlitz, who is the president and CEO of Anago Cleaning Systems. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Marianne. Happy to be here. That's great. Thank you. Um, can you tell everybody first, what is Anago Cleaning Systems? Sure. So we are a three-tier commercial cleaning franchise system. So most people are probably more familiar with a two-tier system. Um, you know, I always pick on, you know, McDonald's, the corporate office, and then the, the folks who own the restaurants. We're a three-tier system. So we have the corporate office. We have what we call a master franchise And then underneath that, we have what we call a unit franchise. And so the easiest way to think of that is um, most commercial cleaning is done at night. So when when I refer to the unit franchise, it's someone who, quote unquote, handles the the nighttime aspects of the business. They hire a crew, learn the equipment, uh, purchase the chemicals and supplies, and keep the buildings clean. And then the question is, where did they get those contracts from? How are they making sure those contracts are invoiced? And how are they making sure that the money is being collected? They don't have a sales team. So our master franchise is a, it's a higher, uh, higher cost, higher investment, much larger franchise, quite frankly. But it's the, it's the white collar aspects of the blue collar industry. So they are the ones, the master franchise has um, the, the sales team. They're the ones with the website. They have uh, some daytime customer service folks, and they do all the back office and administration on behalf of the unit franchisee. So in in essence, you you have a cool synergy, a unique synergy where the master franchise uh, does all the the quote-unquote daytime aspects of the the cleaning business and have zero sale – I'm sorry, zero cleaning people on staff. And the unit franchise does all the nighttime aspects of the of the business and have zero sales overhead for sales costs or anything along those lines. So everybody's saving money uh, in overhead and and making money in the process. I love your analogies and the illustrations that you use. It makes a rather complex structure clearer. And before we get into the details of that, when you say commercial cleaning, let's start with some of the basics. Is that strictly office buildings or what? what's the playground for your franchise concept? So it's probably easier to think of it in reverse, just not houses, <laughs> but <laughs> offices, schools, um, medical facilities, uh, car dealerships, you name it, just, just not houses. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't give us the whole list. That works well. And how how many years has Anago been in business? So Anago uh, turns 34 next year. Um, so yeah, we were founded. Uh, my father actually founded the company back in 1989, 
Um, and so we've been, yeah, we've been around for a little while. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping there's a story for this, but I'm always intrigued by names. Anago, did it stand for something in particular? Yeah, actually, no, and that's yeah, it's it's it is a kind of a weird name. Um, and and I think I believe in Japanese it translates to to a type of eel. So if if you're a sushi fan, it's different. It's not <laughs> the same anago. But but our our actually the 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 from from a Greek origin, it means to guide or uplift. Um and and that was actually the name um that my dad selected for the company. There's, there's a whole story about when he when he decided to name the company, he told his mother and my, and my, my grandmother and she's a she's she was very very like kind of a mystical type woman you know from from Greece um and she says to my dad she goes when he named it she goes oh my god do you know that means blessed by god and so he goes well i have to name it that now <laughs> so, but, not time but, but, but i guess she didn't know what it actually meant she, maybe she thought it did but it does mean to guide or uplift and, and that is sort of what we feel like we're doing with our franchisees, guiding and uplifting them to, you know, to a to a better life through business ownership. I'm laughing. If it's blessed by God, talk about a competitive advantage. Um, and so, 39 years—that is extraordinary. How many franchises? I don't know how to ask this question because you're two levels. So, how many of the master franchises do you have? So just under 50 master franchises and just above 1,800 unit franchises across the U.S. and Canada. Okay, that's impressive. So now let's get into some more of the details. I know that the commonly people in franchising understand, as you said, that two-tiered, the direct franchise model, and some of them know area rep models where basically the franchisor is giving an individual the rights to develop a territory. But what you're doing, an area director sometimes are given the rights to develop and also to train and support the franchisors, local franchisees. But you have a different model. It's one that I'm familiar with because we used it in Money Mailer back in the um, 80s and 90s. But your master franchises are actually franchisors, aren't they? That's correct. Yeah. So that is the unique uh, spin, I guess you could call it, compared to an area developer model, where an area developer um, is someone where, you know, they help open the, the sub franchise in the area. They get some, you know, maybe they get a portion of the fee or they get, uh, you know, a piece of the royalty stream. Um, but when that once that location is open, their their job essentially is done. Um, where our model is different is the master franchise never stops supporting the unit franchise. They're always handling that daytime aspect, no matter what. So if if you were to buy a unit franchise in, I don't know, I'm I'm in South Florida, so you buy one in Miami. Um, the South Florida master franchise, as long as you are a unit franchise, will continue finding new clients for you invoicing all your existing clients, collecting uh, from your existing clients and making sure that you have the money to, to fund your business. So it never, it never stops that that tie together is, and I think it helps keep everyone having skin in the game throughout the relationship, which then of course makes it so everyone's invested in each other's success. 
um, that is a big important part of it. And just to clarify for the audience, then the local franchisees, the sub franchisees are franchisees of your master, not yours, correct? All right. We're going to circle back to that in a little bit. In the opening, you described your role as you're supporting the masters, the, as you put it, the white collar portion of a blue collar industry, which I think will stick with me forever. Um, what does that support look like? And how is it different from some of your direct competitors who are doing more of the direct franchise model? So um, I, I think it allows everyone to kind of focus on their expertise. So in, when you break it up into three tiers, right, the unit franchise's focus is going to be predominantly on uh, facilities maintenance. So that's, that's a very different conference, so to speak, than someone maybe going to like the IFA show to learn about the cool new, you know, website tech vendor, whatever the AI thing that's coming out. It's a very different focus. And so what it, what it allows for us to do is um, we have to obviously support the unit, but via the master franchise. So, it, so what, what happens is we're working on, um, you know, we, for example, we're working right now on an e-learning platform that focuses on how to do, for the unit to be able to do on-demand training of different aspects of their business through their phone, whenever they want, um, and we support the master franchise by enabling all of that for the, to help develop their unit franchisees. Then at the master franchise level, right, their focus is predominantly sales and marketing. So for them, again, a different quote-unquote conference that they need to attend, um, their focus is, is how do I improve the SEO on my website? How do I increase my closing ratios with, with my sales calls? Um, how do I improve my customer service offering? Um, how do I become a QuickBooks expert? Whatever it may be, um, their focus is is more on again. It's it's the back office side and the sales side of it. And then of course, you know, our job is to just stay ahead of the industry trends, making sure we know what's going on in the world, you know, of of whatever's going on at the the different governmental levels, making sure when we see something happening, you know, obviously AI is all the rage right now. Um, so that's what we've pivoted to at, at the corporate office is focusing on how do we integrate um, machine learning and artificial intelligence into the cleaning business to, of course, then grow the businesses of the master and unit franchises. So just trying to do a compare and contrast for the next few questions. I know that in a lot of other commercial cleaning systems, they, the franchisor is in charge of finding the cleaning leads, finding those buildings, finding those contracts, and then passing them on to the franchisees, the, as you said, that, that blue collar side, the actual doers of the work. Do you do that or are the masters using a platform or a program you've designed to generate their own leads? Um, predominantly, it's the master doing that within their region using our platform. So we provide the master franchise with a, a fully optimized website, a, a pretty amazing uh, automated email and, and text message marketing platform that they can use to follow up with their leads. Um, but the predominance of leads is done locally because our, our sweet spot and it's not the, you know, the the 
50-story skyscraper in downtown. Our sweet spot is your local doctor's office. Our sweet spot is the local you know, high school that your kid goes to. And those are, those are built through local community ties, you know, having the master franchise join the, you know, that region's chamber of commerce and and get out in the community. So, so we, we train the master how to, how to do that, where to go. We give them all the software and and websites and everything to, to do it at the local level. But I, and of course, obviously, you know, money and time is spent at the, at the national level finding, finding leads for everyone. We actually have a, a outbound call center that is housed here at the corporate office that is used to help uh, assist the master, fi- master franchise find additional leads in their territory. But it is, it is driven at the local master region level. That's terrific insight. My brain immediately goes to hmm, national programs where you can clean other franchisees' businesses in the evening because um, when we write manuals, cleanliness, no matter what it is, particularly food, but that's a specialty, but cleanliness really has a huge impact on the client experience and their perception. So that would seem like a natural um, meeting point. You mentioned just before that you have created training materials that the franchisee and that franchisee's employees can use. So you are filtering it down or do they have direct access to your LMS program? Um, the, so the franchisee has access currently. The, the, they, they would have to essentially put on the training for their employees. We, we can't train the franchisee's employees um, and, and obviously, you know, we're in a different world nowadays than, than maybe back 20 years ago, but you can't train the franchisees employees, but we do set it up where it's structured, where it's train the trainer. So the, you know, the franchisee has sort of the, the teacher's edition, if you will, and is able to use that to, to help train their staff and make sure they, you know, they know what of the latest and greatest things going on. Okay. So here's the part that really intrigues me. Because with many of the clients, um, brand new brands that are just starting, I realize how difficult it is for franchisors to fully understand what they're supposed to do in terms of going and finding and bringing on new franchisees. What do you do to support that master level on doing that and making sure they're staying within the guardrails of the law. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. So one of the things we do, and I don't know if I don't believe any of our competitors do this, we actually have a, a number one, just to start right for the FDB, we have a full compliance department. And so we assist the master franchisee each year in making sure that their FTDs are up to date. Uh, with the latest, you know, review of whatever's gone on in the legal realm, um, it's up to date with our program, um, and and then any of their marketing materials or anything like that have to be pre-approved for by us prior to doing any kind of ads for unit franchisees. Um, and then we had, you know, maybe it's because of you know I'm a I'm a uh, not a typical age of of my competitors CEOs. Let's just say. And I'm a millennial, right? I'm an I'm an elder millennial. I'm a I'm a sage millennial, but still, a, nevertheless, a millennial. Um, and so we we had some, you know, we invested a lot in social media. And so I have Anigo has the the largest social media presence of all our competitors, uh, particularly on Facebook. 
Um, and I have over 30, I think 32,000 Facebook fans. Um, and through that, we're able to leverage um, all of the, you know, the Facebook platform stuff with lookalike audiences and, and build a community. Um, and through that, I mean, that is, that is a, a phenomenal lead source for the master franchisees finding um, unit franchisees. Cause the, the whole Facebook page is about nobody, nobody goes on Facebook to pick their next cleaning company. The reality is, you know, you go there because you want to, you know, talk, you know, catch up with your friends or your see what your daughter or son who's away at college is up to and hopefully not posting on social media. But, um, but the, yeah, but, but at the same time, our, our focus on social media is about uh, empowerment through business ownership. And so that's what we post about. And that's what our, our, our content is about. And I think that resonates with people looking to buy a small business. Um, and it's served us well. And it's done well. That is probably one of the better places that, that, that us and the master franchise are able to use to, to find potential unit franchise buyers. I think you've hit on two really key points right now. First of all, a sage millennial. Um, what I started to laugh at is there is a great comedian, um, Eliza Schlesinger, and she has a um, one of her stand-up videos is about being an aging millennial. But you really are the demographic of people who are buying now. And so understanding that and understanding that you and your generation are going to approach technology far differently than your seniors do. Um, that's a huge advantage. And I think there more brands could do more if they would let age not step aside. I'm not saying let's all retire because I'm not going anywhere, but to understand who that new generation of buyers is and then talk to them the way they want to. Because I really do believe that the success of franchising these days are the two things you're hitting on. Culture. So as you're saying, you're getting your message across about empowerment through business ownership and marketing. Um, marketing touches everything these days. So congratulations on that. Um, how do you train your master franchisees to know all of that. I mean, yes, you're talking about a white collar group, but they're now trying to learn how to be franchisors and marketers, or do you have a robust program that they can more or less plug into? It, it's definitely the latter. I think, I think, you know, teaching, teaching numerous people how to be good at marketing is very different than teaching people how to be good at sales, right? The, the, the ocean that lives in between marketing and sales is 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 you know is is probably as far as east from west kind of a thing I, in some in some scenarios. So I think it's I think it's creating that platform and allowing them to leverage it. Um, we work with we work with um, a series of vendors where it's plug and play. We 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 say here are the people you're going to meet with. Here's how your website's going to be set up. Here's how your your Facebook campaigns are going to be set up. Your email marketing, your your telemarketing, or you know, and it's very structured. So all they have to do is plug in and then have a meeting, you know, once a month with that particular vendor and say, "How's everything going? Am I getting the the lead volume I need? Do I need to pivot one way, word it differently for my market versus a different market?" Um, and it's just it's just keeping ahead of that. Um, with you know, we we started Facebook. Uh, when I was in my twenties at Anago, and and with the thought that 
I'm not the decision maker, but it was 20 year olds that were on uh, Facebook pretty much, you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago at this point. Um, but all those people, like you said, now are the 30 and 40 somethings that are the decision maker roles that we're going after. So what does that mean? Now we have to figure out how to be relevant on uh, the Instagrams and TikToks and Twitters and or X now it's called. Uh, making sure you're relevant and continually staying relevant, but start now. I mean, ultimately, it's about the volume of content you're able to put out and not necessarily, I don't think the expectation of high quality, super well-produced content is there anymore. It's all about being authentic, picking up your phone and saying, hey, it's hey, it's me. We're over here at Anago and here's what's going on today. And just giving people an insight to create that authentic relationship virtually. So that's the next social media move that we'll be making i'm sure at some point but you know but but while what's not you know what's not broke we're not going to try to fix either so not fixing and evolving are two different things did anago start with this model or is it something that you chose later no, it is. It has always been this model. I get technically there was no master <clears throat> franchise because there was just the one location. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't call it a master franchise when my dad founded it. It was just called Anago. Um, but then I think he 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 start he founded it in 80, 1989. Um, and by nineteen ninety one, the, the, he was just doing it as a traditional cleaning business. By nineteen ninety one he decided to do the unit franchise model and it was just Anago and you would sell franchises. Um, I think there was a few attempts and, and not so much success around 95, 96 at trying to duplicate that. But then in 1999, the first master franchise was sold. It was Tampa, Tampa, Florida. So just, you know, four hours away. Um, and then, and then kind of the rest is history and we're at, you know, almost 50 master franchises now, but it was, it, it's sort of the master unit model is very much uniquely tied to the commercial cleaning industry, unlike other industries. It, it because of the the support capacity that the master offers the the unit. Did you find since it was the commercial cleaning industry back in the early twenties twenties that sort of kicked off all the joint employment stuff? Did having this particular model insulate you in any way from that? Um, you know, I I think that the the commercial cleaning gets a little bit of a bad rap for that, and and I think there are definitely, I think in in any franchise aspect, uh, in any franchise type of model, there are bad actors, and I think there you know that there's sometimes the bad actors. Um, give every, you know, kind of put a black eye on on a particular area. Commercial cleaning got a black eye because, let's just say, brands that shall remain nameless weren't treating their franchise, their unit level franchisees like business owners. They were treating them like employees, like janitors, and that's not the purpose of this business model. The purpose of this business model is for someone who's looking to to you know earn a living as a business owner who doesn't maybe know much about sales or advertising or how websites work or social media, but knows how to, you know, put in a hard day's work can learn how to be a business owner. So I think, I think there's, there's definitely, there's always bad actors. There's always room for uh, improvement in, in any system, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that um, the model does anything to insulate or, or tie together um, 
it, it, it really is, you know, it, it's all about, I think the, how the brand treats their franchisees, frankly. I think that's the key, no matter what model you use, but I like the way when you introduced the brand to us and you were saying, this is what the master does. They're the ones who are looking for the sales, the marketing and the support. And then your local franchisees were people who were good at employing and retaining and inventorying and ordering the cleaning supplies, maintaining the equipment. You know, when people in general are looking for a franchise, we don't all come to that that want with the same skill set. So what you're really doing is offering a franchise to that skill set, which a lot of I'm going to change that sentence and say what most franchisors don't do. Most franchise concepts, you need a wide range of skills in order to effectively operate. Um, I think that's where the joint employment mess comes in because no one comes with all those skills and the franchisors try and fill the gaps. But you've done it by simply creating this third level. But I have to wonder, how does that affect profitability running up and down the line when there's a third level that has to be paid? Do you have to generate exponentially more leads or is it in your pricing or is there just enough in the model in itself to support a third level, that interim level? So I think in general, there's just enough available um, in order to to accomplish all three's goal, all three levels goals, in order to have profitability, and and where where that comes in is is number one. Um, like I said, our sweet spot is not it's it's not the high rise that has to be bid razor sharp because they're they're a million square feet and and they want the absolute cheapest price that can possibly come by, and it's also not the the office where there's three people and everyone's just sort of told clean up after yourselves. And I guess we have to have a cleaner come in every once in a while. It's sort of that mid level where, um, you know, these are the people that didn't get to work remotely so much during COVID, right? It's like, no, you're expected to be at the office or at the company because we need you here. We need you here getting the work done. Um, And so there's enough, there's enough, I think in that level where the expectation is high, they ha- they want a company that has the proper insurance. They want a company that has procedures beyond just you know uh, send me a text, you know call us if there's an issue. They want to know well, what happens if there's an issue. What happens if I don't speak the language of the person that that cleans the building? We have software that translates. You might be you know you might be using a company that where you have to write a note on a clipboard or something and. Pray to God that they see the clipboard. That's just not how we operate at our level. Um, and I think the other piece is that we minimize, um, I think we have one of the higher um, retention rates. I mean, we retain, I think it's like 98.5% of all of our customers for five years. So it's, so, and the reason being is, is for the same reason that if I said, you know, if you said maybe you were a great chef, okay, you're like, oh, I can, uh, Marianne can cook cook up a storm and you say, I'm going to start a restaurant. Well, there's a, there's a huge difference between being a good cook and managing a restaurant. Right. And so what ends up happening is now you get into, you know, hiring, recruiting, inventory, turnover, spoilage, uh, wait staff, 
Oh, what do you know about that? You're a great cook. And so what our model is able to do by breaking up the specialties, so to speak, is it allows someone who's a proverbial great cook to just focus on the cooking. And it allows us to find someone who's great at the promotion of the restaurant to focus on the promotion of the restaurant. That you, you do. I, sorry, I'm speechless. You do great analogies. I, I spend my life speaking in analogies and I'm being put to shame here. Um, and also thanks for clarifying or dismissing a preconception I had, which was always that commercial cleaning was generally in office buildings. So this makes a, a big difference. And I will look at it differently that way. You did just say you have an extraordinary retention rate for clients for up to five years. What is the retention rate on your franchisees on that local level? Um, how do they do? And especially in a market now where some things are changing as the aftermath of COVID is changing how we work. So that 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 number is our system wide uh, retention rate. That yeah, we 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 keep. We keep our customers happy, um, and and that's you know via, via our unit and master franchisees. The the industry is not so fortunate. I believe it's roughly twenty five percent of cleaning contracts change hands every year, um, and that's because people are not satisfied. Maybe looking for a better price. Maybe looking for better service. Something goes wrong. They're not able to communicate with whoever's cleaning their building, um, and so what what we've done. Um, we, we, so we have some proprietary software that we call CleanCom that we use. Um, and the reason we created this is it's, you know, CleanCom, communicate, clean communication. Um, in commercial cleaning, we don't have, there's, in most, let me rephrase this. In most industries, you have three levels of an experience. You can have a delight experience. Maybe you go, like, let's go back to the restaurant. You go to a restaurant, great food, great service. Or you go to a restaurant and you have a bad experience, right? The server was a jerk. The food was cold. Or you can have that middle experience where it's just okay, right? It was, eh, if someone's birthday was there, I would go for their birthday party, but it's not some, anything special. Um, unmemorable, right? In commercial cleaning, we don't have three levels. We have two. Nobody goes into their office and goes, oh, my goodness, my, de my desk and floors are so clean. I'm going to get my janitor a birthday present. Doesn't happen. <laughs> so, you, so what you're left with is either you, someone gets to their office and goes, well, I got to work and sits down and starts working. Or they get to their office and they go, why is my trash can still full? Why are there still smudges on my desk? So if you can only have this experience of, of – Non this non-experience or a bad experience, we had to capitalize on that bad experience and use that opportunity to make a friend. And so if we're able to communicate quickly, faster than basically, in my opinion, at least anyone in the industry, communicate the issue, you can actually take out your phone, take a picture of whatever your issue is. It texts that privately without giving your cell phone number through our software to the franchise owner who's responsible for your building. If their language or your language isn't English, it has built-in Google Translate so you can communicate in any language that you'd like, uh, and the message will get across. And it has an escalation feature. If you're not getting what you need within two hours, it'll automatically kick it to the master franchise's office so that they can intervene and make sure you're happy. So it's, it's about that speed of response time 
um, that that helps us retain customers longer versus I swear to you, this, the industry standard is there's some clipboard in the office and everybody goes to the clipboard or binder and that's where you communicate back and forth with whoever's cleaning your office. And, hey, do you speak this language? Because I don't think they speak English. And, and it turns into this mess when it could be something where all we have to do is make the communication that much easier and faster. And you're going to, and you're going to, I think people are just looking to be heard at their office when they're, because they want to go back to forgetting about the cleaning and doing what they're supposed to do, which is whatever the work is at their office. That is so innovative and so advanced from what many, many brands are doing, not just in your vertical. You know, we write manuals for hundreds of brands. And I will say when it comes to, um, when we're, whenever we're talking about documenting, how are you going to handle um, the end user, client, customer, whatever, dissatisfaction? And it is still very manual. Um, like, I love your two-hour escalation uh, piece in there because we all live at the speed of light right now. And two hours is a, is a lifetime. That's incredible. So... Let me go back to, we have three tiers, and most of our listeners, I think, are operationally focused here. So what are the challenges when you have actually four tiers? I know you don't train the franchisees' employees, but they're part of your, part of your branding. So what are the challenges of meeting the demands of all the stakeholders in the franchise part of things? So, uh, you know, I will say it takes a little bit longer to get buy-in, right? Because you are doing it at multiple levels. So it, it requires a lot of interaction. We have a, uh, a franchise advisory committee that we work through at the master franchise level. Um, we have, you know, open communication that we've created where we're with, with the unit franchisees, where we have a feedback loop, where we have a, a newsletter to our unit franchisees, where they can always say, hey, I'm interested in this product. And can someone up there do a little bit more research on it? Give us more information. Um, and, and it allows for um, faster to some degree dissemination of information. Um, I, I would say, you know, it, 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 I, admittedly, it does slow things down, though. I mean, that would be the big challenge is, is a lot of times it's getting the master franchise to understand what the, the next initiative is getting them bought in and then it becomes train the trainer because now they have to understand it well enough that then they can then turn around to their unit franchisees in their area and explain the same concept again, get any feedback from the unit level. And so it takes a little bit of time, a little bit more time to aggregate all of the, the input from, from both levels. But, um, but the pros are, I mean, it, it, because you're forced of any initiative we want to do, I mean, it takes, it takes a lot. I mean, it's a heavy lift. So it takes, it forces us to kind of come prepared. Um, it's, you know, there's no, there's no harebrained ideas or anything like that. Everything is, is very, very fleshed out, very thought through. And it's how does it impact each, each person along the line? Um, and if it's not, it, I mean, it falls flat on its face. So it has to be um, thought about from every level and with all the stakeholders and how they'll use it. I love that. And above and beyond having an advisory council, which is to me absolutely essential, how are you making sure these are not harebrained, using your word, harebrained ideas to start with? Do you have 
um, company-owned locations where you test things, or maybe um, members of your FAC test before you roll it out system-wide? So exactly. We, we always, anytime we roll out anything, it's always tested in a handful of different markets. Um, I happen to also own the South Florida market. So my, my poor market is definitely the guinea pig for the more, you know, the more creative ideas I come up with, let's just say, um, and our team comes up with and and we'll say, Oh, this, let's try this. We're going to try that. Um, but yeah, our, our FAC has been phenomenal and, and we, you know, we'll come up with an idea that we say, Hey, here's what we think they help kind of poke holes and massage it into the right shape that it needs to be and whatever we need to do to make it work. And then they'll test it out locally. Sometimes it's, uh, it's other, uh, other, other members, but predominantly the FAC that, that helps, um, helps not only promote the initiatives, but we actually make the FAC kind of responsible for regions underneath them, so to speak. So they're, they have their own constituents. So we have, um, I think each FAC member is essentially responsible for roughly 10 other regions and they have quarterly call. We have monthly calls with our FAC. They have quarterly calls with their region and it just helps disseminate the information um, from someone who's, who is boots on the ground, who's done the, done the, whatever the idea is in their local market can speak to the pros and cons um, before trying to roll it out to, you know, 50 plus people. I like that idea. How do you keep the FAC members' feet to the fire? I mean, I, theoretically, it's great. Do they actually report to and get feedback from the people they represent? Oh, yeah. No, our, 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 I think so. I, I will say one thing. We did not do an, an FAC based on a popularity contest. It was It was based off... Um, you know, we, sorry, we did not do the, you know, the democratic process on our FAC. We, we selected folks who were top producers who, who, you know, were, were well-respected in the franchise community. Um, and, and who they're not being paid, they're not being compensated. They're doing it because they believe in the business and they believe that, you know, that if we work together, we can grow this thing even, even bigger and better. Um, and so it's, it's, it's volunteer time. Um, and, and because of that, I think you find that, you know, if, if they think an idea is bad, they'll, you know, they'll call us out on it and say, no, that, that we tried that. That's terrible. Don't push it. And so there's definitely a, you know, a good, uh, not, you know, a good give and take, you know, they'll hold my feet to the fire just as much as I hold theirs to the fire in terms of developing new initiatives that, that they think will, are worth their time to promote, uh, within the franchise community. It sounds like you're using FACs the way they were intended. They sometimes <clears throat> get derailed. Just no. on that, we we quite literally said, you know, this is everything that we're going to discuss in these meetings, these FAC meetings, is 30,000 feet. We're not going to get into the minutia of, you know, some idea about some promotional flyer or pen or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, not a, it's not a small ideas meeting. It's only about the, you know, the one year, three year, five year plan um, and not and not about, you know, if you want to you have an idea about a flyer, send me a note. If you want to discuss that during FAC, we don't have time. It, it's about moving the brand forward and not so much the, the, the exact steps of the ground game. Well, in that case, your choice 
to appoint members, I think, is critical to your success because you need people who can stay at that high level conceptually um, because so many meetings do get derailed by instead of concept, they go immediately into execution and you haven't even decided if the concept is right. Good one. Um, can I switch gears for a second? Because you seem to be forward thinking when it comes to technology. But we also know there's tech, you even jokingly said, well, I guess AI is the next big thing. Things are coming at us so rapidly. Before you even get to the FAC, how do you decide which ones you're even going to explore? Because you could spend, not you as an individual, but you could spend resources in the company that go nowhere exploring all the different uh, things that are coming at us. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I think um, part of it is that, you know, I tried, I try my best at least to stay on, you know, on the industry pulse as much as possible. I'm at the industry conferences. I'm at the, the, the franchise conferences, just kind of hearing what's available and what's out there. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know if I have a, you know, a secret sauce here to it, but it's just, it's paying attention. Um, I think, you know, one of my, one of my stronger suits as a CEO is just, you know, curiosity. I went, well, how does that work? What is, what do you mean by that? How could that apply here? And just kind of asking lots and lots of questions. I'm, I'm unafraid to be the dumbest person in the room and therefore it makes me sometimes less dumb. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, you know, it, it, it is, it's sitting down and saying like with, you know, with clean calm, it was saying like, well, where are our customers pain points? Why are they that? How could we improve that? What would it feel like if we improved that? What would it look like if we improved it? Um, and just being aware that, look, we're not, you know, we're not first on everybody's list of like sexy brands. We're not Tesla. Um, we're, we're the, the people that clean the Tesla dealership, um, <laughs> you know? And so you go, okay, what, what is the expectation from us? And, and, um, you can go down the rabbit hole. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out in our space. There's the, all the, the IOT, like sensors and facilities management, and we're dabbling, we're looking at it, you know, we're not, but, you know, before you make any major financial commitment, you have to say, you have to, I mean, literally, I mean, that's, that's something that we talk about in the FAC too, is, is will whatever this initiative drive substantial revenue, cost savings, or, or profitability? And if no, we don't talk about it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of little things to sharpen the pencil 1% more. Um, and we, we look into all of that stuff, but it's, but if it's not, you know, a big needle mover, you, you just have to move on. I mean, there's a lot of ways to, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, you can go on Amazon right now and find a hundred little trinkets to improve your organization in your house or something like that. But you'd also spend $10,000 doing that. And you have to go like, is all that worth it? And if the answer is no, don't buy it. And, and same thing with us. Don't do it. Don't, don't invest further in it. Well, as you were saying that, and especially when you were talking about sensors, and I, my brain went to smart buildings, which went to, you're trying to balance the need of improving your franchise system, and does it make sense? But also, your clients are going to have 
a lot of requirements. If they're a leads building, they may have certain things they don't want you to do in terms of energy consumption or having to use um, ecologically sound cleaning um, products and stuff. So you really have a lot to balance here and doing it with a third person in the middle. I'm, I'm very impressed by your calm demeanor as you speak about all this. Um, you, you're, you're only calm if you've been in franchising for 15 years, you know, it just, <laughs> it's, you've seen it all, you've seen it go left, you've seen it go right, uh, and, and up and down and down and then back up. And then, you know, it's every day is different, but, um, it, it, it yeah, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I think that's one of the most confusing aspects of our model to, uh, you know, a prospective master franchise buyer is they're like, so wait a minute, who am I selling to? You know, and it's, and it is, you have two sales pipelines that you have to manage. You have to manage the, the, uh, the, the, your unit franchise sales pipeline, which is very much like relationship sale driven, learning about the person, asking their goals, learning about what their, what their expectation is in business ownership. And then you flip the script and you have the more, let's just call it comparatively more transactional sale of the local office that wants, you know, $600 a month cleaning of their office. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a lot more, here's what we can do. Here's why we're better. You know, are you interested? And, you know, let's, let's make a decision in the next few weeks type of thing. It's just a different, um, it's different to have two sales pipelines, right? McDonald's has whoever wants to buy burgers and fries and sodas. I have two. Um, and, and so as the, the average customer becomes more sophisticated, becomes the, the quote unquote, you know, like how you said, the millennial buyer, um, that's where we have to get into the smart buildings a lot more. And that stuff's very cool. That's, that's where you get into, um, what you call on-demand cleaning. So right now, uh, if, if you, if I cleaned your office, I see you're at a home office, so I can't clean your office, but if I cleaned, if I clean one of the, one of your listeners offices, um, and we say, okay, we clean the restroom, you know, every night, uh, and here's what we do. Well, why, why am I doing that? Well, we agreed upon a specification and that's what we're doing. What if it needs more frequent cleaning? How would I know? What if it needs less frequent cleaning because no one was at your office today? How would I know? That's where the IoT and like the sensor usage comes in where you can actually program it where you go, I know how many times that door swung to know how many people went, used that restroom, how many times the sink turned on, how many times the toilet flushed that, that, uh, you know, stall one G is out of toilet paper, um, that there's a clog in stall two F, um, that's where the IOT stuff comes on. And then you're able to make your cleaning based on, uh, based on demand usage versus just listing of specs. And that's, wow. like I said, that's where, that's where it's going. That's the future of it. It's very, it's very cool. And, and it's, that's kind of where that's where my my head wanders to. Um, right now, it's not the most. Um, it, it's it's probably moderately cost effective, but as you can imagine, with you know the development further into technology, the technology becomes less expensive, and then it makes the overall price for the customer become less expensive. So, right, and then it becomes a marketing chip, also. So, so you make it sound 
granted, uh, 30 plus years of the brand doing this, you're making it sound all very smooth and buttoned up. But if there was one thing you could do differently, what would it be? Hmm. If there was, so, I mean, that's, that's a good question. If there's one thing, I mean, I wish, I, I wish I would have, I think everybody knows this, right. I, you know, in franchising, if I could, if I could take everything I know about franchising now and put that, put all of the stuff that we have in our agreements now in the agreements that came out 30 years ago, you know what I mean? That, that would, that would be amazing. Cause, cause what we're able to do, you know, we have all the test cases and we say, just here's the playbook, just go execute. And we know it works. Um, there's definitely, um, you know, the, there's some, there's always some folks, and this is all of franchising where they bought in at the beginning of the franchise and it was like slap a logo on it and you're one of us. And, and there was no rules. It's the wild, wild west. Um, and, and, it, and, and some of them are, have a lot of forethought and foresight and, and kind of adapt with the adapting times and others, not so much. And I feel like that's every brand. I think you're always in that scenario. So I, if it's, I think it's, I don't know if I have anything I would, you know, specifically do different, but definitely the, if I knew then what I know now kind of scenario, um, you know, it, it would, it would, I think things would be exponentially further along. You know, I, I admittedly say I, I kind of stumbled my way forward as CEO for the first handful of years. Cause I had, I had never been the CEO of a company. I learned how to be the CEO by being a CEO. Um, and I, I probably didn't really truly, uh, have a, have a, uh, explainable vision that I could cast out to our franchisees until, you know, within the last handful of years. And, and I think that maybe that, if I knew how to 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 pass the vision and bring on the people, um, if you've ever read, you know, free plug for whoever wrote the book Who and Who Not How, where you learn that you know, no, you can't do everything. It's all about bringing the right people, putting them in the right seats, um, and letting them do their thing. That there you go. That that's exactly what I would do differently. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> I think you just answered my la- my what was going to be my last question with that also, which is if you could speak to people who are just embarking on this journey of franchising and and starting their concepts, not they already have proof of concept, but they're starting to franchise, what would be the best piece of advice? And I'm thinking that your last comment would probably be it. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of two things. One um, would be thinking, think of scale from the beginning, right? So, so if you, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, how to do things, if there's any point where it just where something in your model kind of becomes cumbersome or clunky or complex, now imagine if you had a thousand units, and what, how would you explain that? to your thousand units? How would you make sure? And if it's, well, someone's going to fly out and they got to teach them and they got to physically do that, rethink your model. Um, Cause it's very, you know, maybe you, maybe you're, you hit the jackpot and you become the next, I don't know, orange theory. And all of a sudden you have, you know, whatever, 10,000 units or something like that. I mean, they had to scale incredibly quickly and maybe you're lucky enough and you know, that, that you scale to a hundred units, a thousand units, whatever it may be. But, Thinking of what your model looks like at scale from the beginning and what your processes look like, I think is crucial. And then, yeah, my, my other answer, it, it is, it's, 
as a as a um particularly someone who's a founder of a of a business i'm you know i wasn't a founder but i i guess i got in early um but the as a founder of a new business, you know everything about the business and the hardest part, and you got to where you were by doing it your way. Um, the hardest part then is saying, okay, well, what got us here won't get us there and and letting go of certain aspects, but making it a point to to put in the effort to hire the people to to do that, that whatever that may be to get you to the next level. Um, it, it's absolutely crucial. And if you wear all the hats yourself, um, you can't turn your head fast enough. <laughs> I just want to say that, first of all, I agree 100% with that advice, but I think I understand a secret of your brand's success that you may not be aware of. You are an amazing communicator. You are taking some very con- very complex concepts and with good analogies, breaking them down into something that someone should be able to actually visualize and see and be able to react to without getting their ego involved. So that is tremendous. Um, congratulations on that ability. That's great. Hey, thank you. Thank you. My, my wife says, like, you speak in all you speak in is stories. Maybe it's. <laughs> It's a gift in business. Sometimes my wife wants to knock me on the head, though, and goes, "What? <laughs> just say what you mean." I'm like, I just speak an analogy. That's how my brain works. <laughs> I think we're very similar that way. I want to thank you for giving us this time. I mean, yours was a brand that I have seen the name for so many years, and I think I made some bad assumptions about what it was and what it wasn't. So I'm grateful that you shared with me and our audience um, all about Anago, but some really great general business concepts about being a successful franchisor. Thank you for that. It was absolutely my pleasure today and, and I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks, me too. So for my audience, um, I say this each time. If you have a story that needs to be told in franchising, reach out to us. Or if you know of a brand and you think that story should be told, you can reach us at info at franwise.net. Again, I want to thank, um, time is such a, is such a gift. So I, I really do want to thank Adam for a lot of time and a lot of good thought on this. And I hope my audience can take these lessons and build their brands to be ones that survive decades. Um, that alone is such a great testament. To my audience, again, we hope you'll come back and listen to our next edition of What's Your Effing Business? What's Your Effing Business is created by O'Connell & Company, Inc. and Franwise. It is written and directed by Marianne O'Connell. Technical mastering by Ryan Cleary. Our theme music was written and performed by Sean J. O'Connell and Leviathan Brothers and is available on Spotify. All rights to this podcast and music are reserved. <laughs>